You are listening to the Pencil and Paper Podcast Network. Visit PencilandPaperProductions.Podbean.com to find more great podcasts. Hello and welcome to As I Recall It, a podcast featuring stories and anecdotes of years past. Did they happen exactly as I said? Probably not, only as I recall it. The same year that I created RoboRabbit, I had also been working on another drawing book, my book of drawings 2. This wasn't just a regular sketchbook like the first one, but more of a forced sequel idea. Nothing within the book was of great significance, except one. Page three. Shnono Man and Boo Boy. Now, I have no idea what the word shnono means, even though it has become a meme recently. Yet, there is proof I created the word decades ago. Ha! I need to look up this meme. Anyway, these two were a superhero duo that were just a joke. The design of their facial expressions mimicked one that me and my best friend, Jamin Spinogle, would share back and forth from time to time as kids. We would even shout nonsensical words like Boo and Doog and even Shnono, which is where the name came from. It became a running gag, so I tried creating characters from it. Eventually, I made a third book of drawings where I drew the new Shnono Man and Boo Boy because things like that were common back then. Here's the old, but now there's a new thing. Thumbing through the same book are very simple and crude drawings, most of which were drawn in haste to fill a page. However, two pages in particular set the stage for something larger. The first focused on a horror film idea about giant mutated leeches called bloodsuckers. I had no idea what a leech really looked like, so I took some liberties. Making them mutated helped with that. The idea, no doubt, came from numerous other little creature features I was a fan of at the time. Despite the idea being simple, the character I introduced here would be important. His name was Lance Smith, and he was the protagonist of the Bloodsucker series. He had no powers to speak of, but was one hell of an inventor. In the story, as I recall it, he creates a blaster which helps him destroy the leeches. It's a very simple premise. The next page over was an idea for Bloodsuckers 2, which was a sequel idea featuring a giant mutated leech. I have pitches for days. Anyway, in that book, the idea wasn't conceived at the time, but the story of Bloodsuckers 2 eventually featured Stephen, from Stephen's Wacky Maze, making his way into the city where it all took place. After hearing about the recent events of the first flick, Stephen and Lance team up to take down a new wave of leeches. The idea of sticking Stephen into the story was no doubt to give him something to do, but also to create a connection to Lance that would pay off later. Also, the logo I created for Part 2 was one of my all-time favorites to draw, even to this day. Further into the book is a picture that features two characters that resemble Shnono Man and Boo Boy, but with a more serious demeanor. Enter Lightning Bolt and the Ghost Kid, two characters that had a better solo run than the rest of my characters combined. I'm not sure what inspired me to create serious versions of these silly characters, but I did. What's most fascinating about the duo is how completely random it is. There is no rhyme or reason to it. They are just two souls that came together by mere happenstance. In the original story, Harold Kane was a scientist struck by a, quote, special lightning bolt that didn't kill him but imbued him with powers. 
This idea could have worked if I fleshed it out more, but I eventually retconned it into him working on an experiment to merge two separate forms of matter into one space in an attempt to combine their properties. It was my attempt to make it more scientific. Anyway, he took a serum, hit by lightning, and boom, a hero was born. The ghost kid was a young boy by the name of Ricky Peterson who was killed in a hit and run. With a sense of unfinished business, his spirit returns to the world of the living to uncover the truth behind his death. At first, there was no big reveal behind Ricky's death. It was just a freak accident. Eventually, though, I dug into his backstory and revealed a drunken and abusive father that was actually responsible for Ricky's death. A bit messed up, but it seemed like a hell of a twist. Now, the way these two came together was due to Harold's ability to sense Ricky's spirit due to his powers and help him retain a more visible form. Ricky's childlike spirit, no pun intended, is what convinced Harold to don a costume and fight crime. Together, the two would clean up the streets of their beloved city, which I never explicitly verified, but I would guess most likely New York. Eventually, their paths cross with our other heroes, Lance, Steven, and even Robo-Rabbit. Their cameos in Lightning Bolt and the Ghost Kid were almost like my versions of planting Easter eggs for a bigger reveal later on. See, I was doing the Marvel thing decades before they were. Before touching on that, I wanted to go back and expand on what I meant when I said Lightning Bolt and the Ghost Kid had the best solo run. For whatever reason, these characters brought forth more stories and more villains than any other character I'd done prior. And they weren't simple ideas either. Some managed to be more expansive and deeper than I expected. I'm not sure why these two resonated with me a bit more, but I always loved the oddity of the duo. Now with five heroes coexisting in this world and having met one another, the only thing this could lead to is destruction. In 1993, I had an epiphany. I had no idea why this didn't feel more obvious to me beforehand, considering the number of influences before me, but it didn't. The idea? Take five heroes that I had created and form a super team. The Avengers, Justice League, X-Men. These were all things that existed and I was well aware of at the time, along with numerous others. As I recall it, it wasn't until I watched an episode of Darkwing Duck in which a group of villains team up to take him down that this idea struck me. One may wonder why that particular moment. If I had to guess, it was the idea of characters not normally seen together coming together. For me, characters like Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman were always together. It never seemed out of place to me. My characters have never interacted before, so it seemed like a fresh new idea. I wasn't sure how to approach this idea at first, being only 13 at the time, reasoning wasn't exactly my strongest writing attribute. As I previously mentioned, I featured cameos of Steven, Lance, and Robo-Rabbit in the first issues of Lightning Bolt and the Ghost Kid. My reason for this was so most of the heroes were aware of one another, with the exception of being Lance and Robo-Rabbit. That said, one could assume Steven knew them both, and he just introduced them off-screen. Makes sense, right? With all of the heroes knowing one another, the time was right for them to team up, and the Destructors were born. I'll be honest, I have no idea why I chose the Destructors. It just sounded cool. Imagine my surprise stumbling upon two movies of the same name made around 30 years prior, give or take a few years. It disappointed me a little because I was always striving for originality, 
but as I've learned time and time again, that's hard to do anymore. Now obviously the reason such a team would exist in the first place was to combat a much larger threat that one couldn't handle alone. Hence, I created a team of supervillains comprised of villains that had never been seen before. It showed the roster of villains I had created was lackluster at best. Before digging into that team, I want to mention that I am pretty sure I created two supervillain teams, but can only remember one at this particular moment. Even looking through old drawings, no other team seemingly exists, so I assumed I phased them out at some point. That nagging memory will prompt me to look through my old drawings and confirm this one way or the other, but right now, I just don't know. And as much as I would love to dive into the team known as the Evil Leaders, cool name, right? There's a quite a bit to unpack, so I'll save that story for another day. Like most of my comics, I treated them like television. I mapped out the first season as a 12-episode run, mainly showcasing the team battling various threats and throwing in a few personal stories here and there. One such personal tale focused on Ghost Kid attempting to solve his death. Now, as I mentioned before, reasoning meant nothing to a 13-year-old. Because of that, the Ghost Kid, who was extremely intelligent, a trait I may have neglected to mention, chose to reanimate his dead corpse to help solve the murder. Why? Because the Destructors needed a new team member, that's why. And on that day, Bones was born. Plus, if you go back to the old book of drawings... There was, in fact, a scribbling of Boo Boy and Skell Eton. I know. As lame as this origin may sound, Bones was one character I actually had fun designing, especially later on. In fact, he and the Ghost Kid were extremely prominent in later stories. But, as I've said before, that's a story for another day. Bones wasn't the only addition to the team in Season 1. Another story featured Stephen's future son traveling back in time for no other reason than he fell into a time vortex. There are plenty of great time travel tropes I could have used, but did nothing of the sort. Now, this wasn't the first time I had introduced the, quote, junior character. He was featured in a horror movie story I did called Taz Devils. There's a bit to unpack here. First, Taz Devils was a lame excuse of a name I came up with for the main creatures featured in Stevens Wacky Maze. They look like sharks with arms and fire where their tail fins should be. It's a little odd, but I still like the design, and it does bother me from a logistical standpoint, but nonetheless, it's kind of cool. Taz Devils was supposed to take place 20 years after Stevens Wacky Maze, with Steven living a quiet life and never having become a hero beyond that initial story. The Taz Devils come to Earth for some reason that I don't remember, wreak havoc, and push an aging Steven to take care of them, but with the help of his son. Earlier, I said this was a horror movie story. This, along with Bloodsuckers, was a movie idea that I drew as a comic, but I treated as a movie on a page. There are more I did along with them, but that too is another story. Season 1 of The Destructors ended with the team ending mainly because they had other things to do. Pretty lame excuse, I know, but that was it. However, I kicked Season 2 off with a new Destructors team picking up the mantle and fighting the good fight. All of the heroes were originally featured in a one-off comic I did called The Eliminators, which will yet be another story I get to. I never realized the rabbit hole the Destructors could lead to. Anyway, I rolled these characters over and made them The Destructors 2. I will focus on them, too, in another story, since I feel each of them deserves some time to focus on their origins. 
Season 2 brought in new characters and new enemies and even new relationships in marriage. I thought the idea of one member finding happiness would be awesome, so I gave Lance that honor, giving his character a bit more depth. Even though Lightning Bolt and the Ghost Kid were part of the team, I still wrote stories for them separately since I felt like they were the only ones who could carry a book. Plus, I eventually renamed it Lightning Bolt, Ghost Kid, and Bones because obviously Bones would stick with them. I bring this up because eventually their stories quietly ended and any and all stories became Destructor stories. In fact, the very last story I wrote from beginning to end was a Lightning Bolt story called Enter the Liquidator. It was an original name, I know. Anyway, the plot revolved around a scientist trying to replicate the serum that Harold Kane, a.k.a. Lightning Bolt, was working on that gave him his powers. The scientist, Lionel Hobbs, eventually cracked the code and merged with Liquid, turning him into a T-1000, in a manner of speaking. Despite some lack of reasoning that I mentioned, this was, in fact, the most detailed Destructor story I'd ever written to completion. Every bit of the issue was detailed from the story to the art, and you could see how much I'd grown in four years. That last story was written in 1997. However, so many more were planned. I feel as though if I had been working for a proper comic book studio doing this, the series would have been going on for years with numerous artists drawing them and other writers helping adapt the story outlines. It was all there. Twists and turns, events and movies, and even spinoffs. That's how my brain worked then and even now. I'm always looking ahead. I'm proud of what I accomplished with my Destructors run, and looking back on all the ideas that have spawned from that series, I've been able to form better and much stronger narratives with storylines and plot points that make much more sense than they ever did back then. These are stories I would love to share with you all, in a much more visual medium. However, if it never comes to pass... Perhaps I'll tell you about it here, and you can use your imagination to see it for yourself. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed our stories. If you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash pencilandpaperproductions or pencilandpaperproductions.podbean.com and click become a patron in the top right-hand corner. Remember, you can tell your friends to find us on the Pencil and Paper Podcast Network found on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you find your podcasts, and even youtube.com slash pencilandpaperproductions. Thank you so much for joining us, and I hope you'll join us again next time for more stories. This has been a Pencil and Paper Podcast Network production.